0: At either 414 442 7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. If you were here last Sunday, uh, it was a very unique service. And uh, those who weren't here or maybe here for the first time or the first time in a long time, you missed my rap last night or uh, last Sunday. I, I, I rapped. I don't know what they, the young folks call it, but I, I rapped, um, and I'm waiting for my CDs to burn, so they're gonna drop in a couple of weeks. Um, no, I did rap, I did rap. but I'm not gonna rap today, I'm not gonna rap today, but I am going to, <laughs> don't y'all start, don't y'all start, <laughs> but I am going to continue The message, God changed the message last Sunday. It was very unique, but what I was going to share last week, I'm going to share uh, this morning. And we have been in a series uh, for this month called Finding Freedom. Uh, And it's true that every one of us has some things that we need freedom from, we need deliverance from. The things that weigh us down, things that hold us back. Maybe they held you back from accomplishing your, your dreams, your goals in 2018, um, maybe they held you back from your, your perfect ideal weight, or maybe they held you back from fitting into that, that suit that you got in the closet that you swore I'm going to get into it in a couple of months. So there's things that we all need to break free from. And uh, last week and this week, we are looking at a man in the Old Testament named Naaman. And so I'm going to take you back to 2 Kings chapter 5. I'm going to read uh, 14, 14 verses of that chapter And we're going to talk about Naaman. We're going to learn some things from Naaman on how we can find freedom. Let's read verse 1. Now, Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded. Because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now, a band of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel And she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I'm sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Parpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Jerusalem? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Naaman is referenced in Jesus' ministry, and Jesus' teaching. When Jesus went back to his hometown, he, he was rejected by his people that grew up, with, grew up with him because they were familiar with him. They were offended with his, uh, his knowledge and his teaching and his miracles. Um, and Jesus made a reference to two Gentiles, two non-Jewish people, who expressed faith in, in God, and they were, they were given miraculous turnarounds. One of them was a widow in the city of Zarephath under the ministry of Elijah. The other was this man Naaman under the ministry of Elisha. And the key to them receiving their miracles, and the same for you and I, is faith and honor. Faith is just simply believing God at his word, believing that God is, believing that God is good, believing that God wants to, believing that God can, and then honoring him or honoring those whom the word of God comes through. The people in Jesus' village, they dishonored him, and he said, A prophet does not have any honor in his own hometown. And he left that town and went to other villages and preached. So, anytime we dishonor the vessel or the vehicle that God chooses to deliver the good news, we potentially cancel out our blessings. But the secret is having a hunger, having a humility. Reaching a place of desperation and brokenness that you're willing to do whatever God tells you to do, even if it means submitting yourself to the muddy waters of Jordan. The scripture text tells us that Naaman was a great and mighty military commander. He was a man of honor, a man of valor. In fact, his name, Naaman, means pleasant. But his life was anything but pleasant. You could certainly look at the the exterior of his life, the outside of his life, and he might give you the appearance that it was pleasant because of all the stuff that he had. Gold and silver and clothes and military medals and and, uh, and, and honor and fame and houses and land. But the scripture said he had a problem he needed freedom from. He was a leper. And he heard about a healer in the house. He heard through this young servant girl. Verse 2 says that, On one of their raiding bands, one of his military campaigns, they went into Israel and they captured property and people. And one of the people they brought in captivity back to their home was a young girl. She's not even named in scripture. She ends up working for Naaman's wife. And this young girl, I believe, symbolizes the kind of ministry that you and I need to have. That we we look in people's hearts and not just look at their stuff. Because behind all the stuff, people still have knees. They, they still have an emptiness. And she saw that Laman, Naaman was still a leper. And she said, if only my master would go to Israel, there's a prophet of God there that would heal him. You all remember last week and I talked about the power of an if-only ministry? that sometimes you need to just look people in their eye when they talking about how much they drank last night and how high they got and what, how high the party was and just said, huh, if only. Yeah. If only you knew my God, you wouldn't have a hangover today. You'd still be high. Yes. If only. Hallelujah. So we need to be that, like that young girl and get our voice back and, and, and not be so afraid to talk to people. Amen. This young girl was taken captive and brought back to Naaman's home because she had a divine assignment. You and I also have a divine assignment. None of us are in the places that we are just by accident. Whether you dread it, whether you hate it, whether you wish God would just take you out of there, deliver you, put you in somewhere else, where you are right now, you've been planted there. you on a divine assignment. You have been planted there, not buried there. I, I count it a privilege, I really do, that Park Lawn Assembly of God is in the hood. We ain't trying to leave either. I know folks are fleeing the sub, to the suburbs and you know, to the east side and moving on up and churches are moving and you know people selling their home and moving where they think it's secure. I, I thank God we are planted here, not buried. And when you think about it, It's a matter of perspective because both are under the dirt. Those that are planted and those that are buried. But those that are buried, they're dead. They ain't coming back. Those that are planted, they know they have a purpose, which is to bring forth fruit and to bring forth a harvest. And so we're privileged to be planted in this community and not trying to leave. Amen? This young girl, she had that perspective that she was planted, that, that she was... She was not a convict, but she was a captive. This is a difference. <laughs> See, both are, both are confined and constrained, maybe even with chains and behind bars, but when you're a convict, you're doing time for something you did, but when you're a captive, you have been assigned by God to that place. She was assigned by God. He allowed her to be captured. <laughs> Sometimes God will, he will even allow himself to be captured because he has a greater purpose he has a greater cause in mind there was a time when, when the, the ark of God was captured by the Philistines they literally arrested God and took God captive and they put God, the ark in the, in the temple of their other gods but God allowed himself to be captured so he would show them that he's greater than their gods they woke up the next morning and their gods were laying down on their faces <laughs> When Jesus was arrested in the garden of Gethsemane and he asked the the soldiers, who who are you seeking? They said, we're seeking Jesus. He said, I am he. One gospel writer says they all fell backwards on the ground. He was letting them know, you're not arresting me, I'm surrendering. (laughs) I'm allowing you to take me captive because I got a greater purpose. I have a greater cause in mind. I'm going to bring about deliverance. Sometimes he allows himself to be taken captive. You know, you and I perhaps have done that as well. I've done that when my son was, was younger and growing up. I won't do it with him now, he's 32. He put me in a headlock, but we used to wrestle on the living room floor. Y'all remember them days you wrestle with your little kids? When, you can probably do that with Michaela right now, Elder, but I don't know, with Jason, he might, he might body slam you. He's getting pretty big. No, no, I don't know. But when we wrestle with our kids, we used to let them beat us up. I mean, not literally, but y'all know what I mean, right? We give them the sense that they got greater power. You know, give them the sense that, you know, they're, they're having their way with us. We're allowing ourselves to be taken captive. When you really got strength, but you're putting it under control. You could beat them with one hand tied behind your back, but you've taken your strength and you've limited it because of a purpose. The Bible calls that meekness, not weakness. Some people mistake meekness as weakness. Weakness means that you simply don't have the will or the power, but meekness means you've got both the power and the will, but you've chosen to subject that. You've chosen to put it under control for a greater purpose. And that's the way Jesus walked the face of the earth with a spirit of meekness. I don't want to get in your Kool-Aid, but I know you're going to deal with that on Wednesday. Blessed are the meek. So we have a purpose in allowing our kids to beat us in wrestling. Number one, we want to help build their physical muscles. Because there may come a time when they get in a real wrestling match and a real tussle, and we don't want them to be weak. We want them to think, you know what? I did this to grandpa. I did this to daddy. I'm going to try this with... With this boy who's trying to bully me. The second purpose is we're trying to build their faith muscles. We want them to believe that they can win the battle when the battle comes. So God allowed this young girl to be taken captive because he had a purpose in mind. His weakness, if he has any weakness, God don't have any weakness, but if he had any weakness, his weakness is still stronger than your greatest strength. And not that he has any foolishness, but if God had foolishness, it'd still be smarter than your greatest intellect. (laughs) This young girl was planted in the country of Aram, not buried. And she knew that she had a divine assignment. And she discerned that Naaman was her assignment. She looked past the outer circumstances past the material stuff, past the prominence and position, and she saw into the invisible realm, saw into the depths of his soul that there was an emptiness and a desperation and a bankruptcy there. Not only in his soul, but also in his body. Everybody else was impressed with his deeds. She saw his needs. She realized she was on assignment. She opened up her mouth and began to speak, if only my master. And that created a hunger and a thirst. See, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Your job is not to get people saved. Your job is just to speak the word. Amen. Your job is just share your testimony. The Holy Spirit will bring the conviction as you plant the seed and as you water the seed. The Holy Spirit will bring about conviction and bring about change. And Naaman heard that word and faith rose up within him. Because we all have a measure of faith. And he went to the wrong place. He went to his king. And all the king could do was give him a a letter of endorsement, a resume. Here, I'll I'll, I'll do a letter of reference for you. Maybe that'll help you get healed. But God don't heal based on references. (laughs) He don't heal based on resumes. He don't heal based on how much money you got in the bank. He heals when you come to him in faith and in honor. When you come to him with the spirit of desperation. So he went. And he finally went to the house of Elisha the prophet out of a sense of desperation and how does this man relate to finding freedom he shows us how to find freedom and from sin he shows us how to find freedom in the salvation that Jesus came to give us there are a lot of us that are that are in this place today excuse me some of you have once walked with God and now your relationship is cold? It's like yesterday's soup. It's cold. It's, it's thick. You need to heat it up, stir it up, put some water in it. It's, it's, it's cold. It's been a long time since you've walked close with God, since you felt the presence of God, since you prayed, since you've, since you've worshipped, since you've cried, since you've read the word. Some of you, it's been a long first time in a long time since you've been in the house of God. And you need to rededicate your life to God. For some of you, you've never experienced a relationship with God. you never, you never lifted your hands up and say, Lord, save me. I'm a sinner. And Naaman shows us how to find freedom from sin through salvation. And the first step is that you've got to get to a place of desperation. You've got to get to a place of desperation where you are honest with God and honest with yourself don't care about other folks, but honest with God and honest with yourself. And you say, you know what? I'm missing something on the inside. I've got all of this stuff and I've got all of these people and they think that I'm this. But on the inside, I'm still a leper. I'm a sinner. I need you, Jesus. Yeah. Naaman shows up with this sense of desperation. He arrives at the door of uh, Elisha's house. Elisha doesn't even come out to greet him. I can imagine Naaman and scripture tells us he was offended. Don't he know who I am? Did you show him my resume? Did you show him the letter of recommendation I got for the king? Don't he see all these camels and all this silver and gold and all these clothes I got? Why isn't he moved by all of that? Because God's not moved by that. He's moved by faith and moved by honor. Elisha doesn't even come out the house. He sends a messenger. Go and tell Naaman to go down to the Jordan River and dip seven times in the Jordan River. And Naaman is offended. Because he's in his own mind, he's like, you know what? If I was going to do that, I could have stayed... Right in Aram, in Syria, and he got baptized. We got better waters, better rivers and streams than they have in Israel. At least that's his prejudicial opinion. The first point of freedom is find, and finding freedom from sin is your sense of desperation. Secondly, you gotta, you got to come to Jesus. Naaman came to Elijah, came to the, to the door, to the house of Elijah. You got to come to Jesus. I'm not talking about coming to the church because when I got saved at age 19, I wasn't in the church. I was in my living room. I, I call, I asked my mother to call her pastor and come over to our house because I wanted to give my life to Christ. And on on my floor in front of a lazy board chair, I knelt and I invited Jesus Christ into my heart on October 4th, 1979 at the age of 19. I didn't have to come to the church house. But you got to come to Jesus. (laughs) You got to come to Jesus. You don't need to bring your money. Just come as you are. You don't have to dress a certain way. Just come as you are. You don't Leave your resume at home, okay? He's not impressed by your resume. Just come to Jesus. And he comes to the house of Elijah and he knocks on the door. And the Bible tells us that that's exactly what Jesus is doing to every one of us. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. He's talking, about, he's talking about he's outside of our life. He's outside of our hearts and he wants to come in because he has a plan for our life. He not only wants to deal with the physical conditions, but he wants to deal with the internal heart. And he says, I stand at the door and knock. But if any man or woman or boy or girl hears my voice and opens up the door, he says, I will come in. And I will fellowship with them and they with me. Now, when Jesus comes into your house, everything changes. (laughs) Do I have a witness? I'm saying when he comes in your house, everything changes. And can I be real with y'all? When I got saved in 19, it didn't change overnight. It took me a good two or three years to stop smoke uh, uh, I didn't inhale, but it took me some time. It took me some time. It took me some time to stop getting rid of some stuff. The scripture says that the the Lord will not put more upon us than what we're able to bear. And that's talking about temptation, but it's also true that when it comes to deliverance, you know, just like a good surgeon, sometimes you got to do surgery in steps. Okay, we're going to go and we're going to correct this first, then we're going to let you recover from that then you come back and we're going to make sure you don't have any infections and that, that, that your blood pressure is right. And then three more weeks, we're going to schedule you for this. The Lord is just like that too. So don't get discouraged when everything don't fall off your life the day you gave yourself to Christ. Amen? And some of us need to just stop faking and acting like you got it all together. You know you still got some stuff hanging on you. The Lord knows too. That's all right. But you got to be real. You got to be desperate. But when you open up the door and invite him in, oh, my God, I'm so glad. I wish I had invited him in earlier in my life. Because he makes all things beautiful. He changes us from the inside out. Elisha didn't even come out of the house. He sent a messenger to tell Naaman what to do. And that's what Jesus has done. He's sending me today as a messenger Amen. to tell you what to do, to rededicate your life to Christ. If you're distant from him, if your relationship is cold and is not where it should be, I'm telling you how to get back close to him. Or if you've never had a relationship with him, these steps you need to take. Amen. But what he, who he also sends is the messenger of the Holy Spirit. That's what he told the disciples in the the gospel of John. He says, I'm going away, but I'm going to send another to you just as I am. He's another comforter. He's going to lead you and guide you and all things that I've told you, he's going to bring back to your remembrance. That's what the ministry of the Holy Spirit is. He's a messenger and an assistant. He's a a comforter. And what the Holy Spirit does is that he helps you to know that you have a need. That's called conviction. When you feel that, you know, I, I'm not where I should be, things are not right, you know, when you feel a little anxious when the word comes or you get offended when the word comes, that's the Holy Spirit saying, you know what, I'm going to get on this nerve right here because there's something ain't right in you. Your body, when, when your body is in pain, it's letting you know something's wrong and the Holy Spirit does the same thing. He doesn't come to, to afflict you, but he does come to, to make you uncomfortable. So that you know that you're not at the place where you should be. So, Elijah sends this, Elisha sends a messenger to tell him what to do. Because there was a conviction on the inside, Naaman knew that there was an emptiness. And right now, some of you are feeling that way right now. You're, You're feeling like you need to respond to this message, like you need to find freedom from sin. You need to find Freedom from your, your backslidden condition. You've drifted away from God. God hasn't changed, but you've changed. And you need to come back to him. But don't miss this opportunity. Naaman almost missed his opportunity. You know, you can, you can miss the opportunity of God, number one, because you've got preconceived notions of what God ought to do and how he, ought to, how he should do it in your life. Just like Naaman. He should, I thought he would come out. He didn't even leave the house. He did send a messenger. I thought he would come out and say some words and wave his hand over the spot and I would be healed. He didn't even come out. He almost missed his blessing. He went away. And one of his servants said, if he had told you to do something great, you would have done it. But he's simply telling you to just go and submit yourself and baptize, be, be baptized in the waters. And another reason that people miss the blessings of God and salvation is they, they try to make it so hard. And it's really simple. It's really easy. <laughs> it's a simple matter to be saved. It's like ABC. And <laughs> not the first thing we learned when we was young, the ABCs? Even before you could spell, smell, you'd learn the ABCs. A, just admit I need you, Jesus. B, just believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he came to this earth and took your place on the cross so that you wouldn't have to go to hell. And C, confess, okay, I'm a sinner. I need you, Jesus. And just like that, you're saved. And some of you are like, no, no, that's too easy, man. There's got to be something else we got to do. Well, after you've done that, you can't go and be baptized. Because something will transform in your life again when God sees your obedience. And you follow Jesus in that act of faith and that act of obedience. There's another power, another dimension that's added to your life. So don't miss the salvation of God today. It's so easy. I'm not done with the message, but I want you to just bow your heads and close your eyes right now. And I ask you to do that because I don't want people distracted or people looking around. I don't want anyone walking around right now. This is a moment. And I'm going to ask you if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, this is your day. This is your time to do it. It's really simple. Just admit I'm a leper, I'm a sinner. B, Be, believe Jesus is God's son and that he came to take away your sin. C, confess. I make Jesus the Lord of my life come into my heart. If, if if you've never done that, or maybe you've done it a long time ago, but you're not in the place with God that you should be, and, and you want to rededicate your life to God, I want you to just lift your hand right now because I want to pray for you. I see your hand all over the sanctuary. I see hands that are going up. This is your opportunity. Come on, be like Naaman. You gotta admit. If your hand is up, don't be ashamed. God sees your hand. He also sees your heart. And God's not mad at you. He's not been punishing you. Life and circumstances have been beating you up. But God has been keeping you. He's been protecting you. Because it could have been worse. And God has brought you to this place and to this time right now. So that you would give your life to him. Your hand is up. I want you to pray this prayer and say, Lord Jesus. I confess my sins. I believe you're the Son of God. I ask you to come into my heart right now, and I ask you to save me right now. And Lord, I pray for everyone right now that prayed that prayer. I pray for those who are rededicating their life to you, like the prodigal son that are coming back. Just simply confess and say, Lord, I've sinned, and I'm coming back to you. If you prayed that prayer at the end of the service, Right down here on my left. You can open your eyes now. On my left, right in front of this speaker. We want, we want to meet with you. We want, to, we want to sign your birth certificate. Because the Bible says when Naaman came up out of the water, that his flesh was like a newborn baby. And when you accept Christ, the Bible says you become born again. Your outer man, your outer person may still look the same, but the inside of you has been changed. And today is your spiritual birthday. And so we want to sign your birth certificate and give you some next steps of what you should take as a new believer in Christ so that you continue to grow. Now the Bible also says when, when there is one sinner who repents, there is great joy in the presence of the angels of God. There is rejoicing. There's a party going on right now in heaven over those hands that were up, over those who rededicated their lives to Christ. And uh, I want you all to give us the privilege of just applauding for you If you wouldn't mind standing if your hand was up, if your hand was up, just just stand right now. If you if you are one of those who rededicate your life to Christ, God bless you. I see you. Yes, I see you. I see you as well. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes, I see you. I see you. Thank the Lord. Hallelujah. At the end of the service, we want to meet you right down here. We want to meet you right down here. So Naaman shows us how to find freedom from our sins. But Naaman didn't come to Elisha because he had a sin problem. He came because he had a skin problem. See, I'm rapping already. Y'all don't even know it. Y'all write that down for me, all right? Don't steal that. Don't steal that. He had a skin problem. He had a skin disease. But after his skin problem was healed, he came back to the prophet Elisha to say thank you. And he came with with gifts that he wanted to present to him to pay him. And Elisha wouldn't take the money. And And then Naaman also said to Elisha, he said, now I know that there is no other God other than the God that's in Israel. So now he's putting his faith in the God of Elisha. Now his, his sin problem is being dealt with. And I want to let you know that God not only deals with your skin, but he also deals with your sin. When Jesus was, was ministering on the face of the earth, there were times in which Jesus would, would heal somebody. And the, the religious leaders would say, who does this man think he is healing on the Sabbath day? And Jesus would, would rebuke them and say, just so that you know that God has power to heal, but he also has power to save. I say unto you, your sins are forgiven. They say, well, who you think you are? You can forgive sins. Only God can do that. So he would do both. Let me take you to the scripture and show you an illustration of that. First of all, let's go to, let's go to Matthew chapter 9. In Matthew chapter 9. This is Jesus teaching and healing in his own hometown. People were offended at him. In verse 1 of Matthew 9, Jesus stepped into a boat. He crossed over and he came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. See, there he is dealing with the sin problem. After this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. And knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat and go home. Then the man got up and went home. Jesus has power to save and he has power to heal some of you just got set free from your sin how many of you would be honest with God and say you know what I'm like Naaman also I need I need some freedom in my body there's some physical conditions that are going on in my body right now I need healing taking medication I'm scheduled to have a surgery I'm in pain right now I'm Come on, just lift your hand if you just, you know, you need healing in your body for something. Don't be ashamed of it. Come on, let's be like Naaman today. Let's, let's reach a place, because the same steps you took for salvation are the same steps you take for healing. You got to reach a place of desperation. You got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. You can't, you can't ever get to a place where you make friends with your sickness and with your affliction. Because God will deliver you from your enemies, not from your friends. And if you reach that place where, where you you just, just desperate, Lord, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. Hallelujah. We got to have faith in God. Have faith in God. So with your hands raised up right now, those of you that, that need healing, I'm going to ask you this question. Keep your hand up if you believe... That God can heal you. If you believe that God can heal you. Keep your hand up. Because you have to have faith. That he can heal. God won't go beyond your faith. For salvation. He won't go beyond your faith. For healing either. You've got to have faith. That he can heal you. Faith in God. Trust in his integrity. Trust in his word, trust in his faithfulness. So with your hands lifted up, I release the word of the Lord over you right now. As Psalm 107 says, the Lord, he sent his word and he healed them of their diseases. In fact, if your hand is up, stand up on your feet. If you, if you believe in God for healing, if you can stand up, some of you, I know it hurts you or maybe you're not able to, but if your hand is up, just stand on your feet right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. Thank you, Lord. We're finding freedom today for our bodies. With our hands lifted up, God, we have faith to believe that you can heal us. There are some of us, even as we're standing, we're like the father who had a son who was paralytic and demon-possessed. He said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. He had faith, but didn't require great faith. He had a doubting faith. He had a little faith. God, whatever measure of faith you have given us, we release that right now. Every one of you have faith. Just release that in God right now. Now, how do you release it? You you release it with your words. You release it with your words. Jesus said, whoever says to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the midst of the sea and does not doubt in his heart, he shall have whatever he says. So you release it with your words. Now I want you to begin to release with your words, your confidence and faith in God, but then also speak to the condition in your body. Come on, whatever it is, you know it. Speak to the condition in your body. Tell it it has to go right now in Jesus' name. I believe by his stripes that I was healed. I believe by his stripes that I was healed. Come on, pray that over yourself right now. I believe by your stripes that I am healed. I put my faith and my confidence in you, God, that you are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, my healer. You don't put sickness and disease upon your children. You are a deliverer. You are a healer. I'm going to speak that over yourself right now. I thank you right now, God, that your word is going forth, setting captives free. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. We prophesy over ourselves blessing, shalom, nothing lacking, nothing broken, Everything that we need is supplied in our bodies right now, God. Do restorative miracles. Do creative miracles right now in this atmosphere, Lord. Come on, don't let your faith, don't let it stray. Don't let it, keep it, it's in, it's in God, it's in God, it's not in me. Don't let the, the, the prejudice, he didn't lay hands on me, he didn't even use oil. Don't let your, your preconceived ideas and your prejudice cause you to miss What God wants to do in your life. Just simply obey. (laughs) The messenger. Dip seven times. Come on, speak over yourself right now. Whatsoever you say and believe in your heart, that's what you shall have. Come on, say what you want in your body right now. Come on, begin to speak how you want your body to begin to function. Begin to talk to the parts of your body that were inoperative. And tell them how they're going to begin to act. From this moment forward come on speak to yourself right now speak to yourself lay hands upon that part of your body and begin to if it's if it's something that i see somebody moving their shoulders right now whatever that pain is whatever that part of your body is begin to speak to that part of your body and tell it how it should act in jesus name to begin to function right to begin to function right creative miracles restorative miracles father we thank you that you're the god of miracles you're the god of miracles you're the god of wonder hallelujah parkline assembly of god exists to share the light life and love of jesus christ as a part of this mission join us for special services workshops and encounters Park Lawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.